I'm just going to assume that you're a, a AI bot until I meet you in person. He's like, deal, if you ever find yourself in St. George, Utah, I'll buy a case of beer and show you my metal tits. I was like, all right, titties and beer. Let's do this. Yep. We went down the rivers. We crossed the plains. Over the mountains, we fought in streams. We went west. We trapped, we mined, we carved our names. With guns and axes, we sought our fame. Our destiny was manifest. And God helped those who stood in the way of business, progress, and the USA. USA. Welcome back to How the West Was Fucked. There it is. That's the one. And then, uh... Oh! I knew he was going to wait, you son of a bitch. <laughs> um, yeah. The West was fucked. Yeah, How the West Was Fucked. Uh, I'm going to hit you next time we record <laughs> in the same place. Well, good um, thing that's never going to happen. Well, like you said, he's got till May, and then we'll be around a fire that I can throw at him <laughs> or him him at probably a patch I'm, I'm very combustible please don't well yeah <laughs> all that fucking pelt you've grown through the lockdown yeah um keeps his beard nice and oiled too it's right, gonna go up uh, like flash paper is that like beard oil or I thought it was just his skin oils yeah well it's on his beard no, so now it's beard oil oh I see WD, WD 30 and a half there you go <laughs> Fucking uh, Dextron, Mercon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, this week, uh, well, once again, I always act like this is a fucking radio show where we actually like dates matter or something, but it doesn't really. But uh, we thought we we're gonna do a Black History Month episode. I think. It, yeah, uh, we're uh, we're recording it in February, but it doesn't come out till March. Oh, so I think we did that last time too, didn't we? Yes. Okay. So, because <laughs> last time, last time around this time, it was like Bass Reeves or something, wasn't it? Well, yeah, mm. and we record we recorded it, and then the whole fucking country shut down. Oh yeah. Oh that yeah. Is, seems like so, it's just al- always been like that, but it was. Yeah. Only, no. Uh, no. Welcome oh. to one one year in fucking uh you know fucking plague times. So yeah, great. Let's celebrate that. Fucking Yay. shit. But uh, either which way, yeah. Basically, I don't think. I mean, we have we have a few people we're going to be talking about, right, Will? Mm-hmm. I think, and but mostly in general, we are just going to talk about, um, you know, the little known uh, uh, factor that uh, at least about twenty five percent of uh, the cowboys in the eighteen hundreds were black, which you don't see represented in movies or TV very often, unless almost, uh, yeah, almost so. never. Unless it's, there's there's that one show with Mario Van Peebles, where they fucking had, love like, me some Mario Van Peebles. Uh, or no, it wasn't Mario Van. Or was it? It's like where it was like pretty much almost all black western except for they have their one dirty little white buddy, which is one of them Baldwin's. What the fuck uh, movie is this? Is it a movie uh, or a TV show? It's a movie. When did it come out? Nineties. Uh, Posse. 
Posse, yes. There we go. History's a funny thing. They got us believing that Columbus discovered America and the Indians were already here. That's like me telling you, and you're sitting in your car, that I discovered your car. Then they want to call them the evil red savages because they didn't give up the car soon enough. There's one thing about time. No matter how much or how little passes, it changes things. People forget their past and they forget the truth. But pictures don't lie. Forgotten gunslingers like Nat Love, Ice and Dart, Cherokee Bill, and troops too, like the 9th and the 10th. See, people forget that almost one out of every three cowboys was black. Because when the slaves were freed, a lot of them headed out west, built their own towns. Shit, <laughs> they didn't have much choice. In fact, over half of the original settlers of Los Angeles were black. But for some reason, we never hear their stories. Stories like Jesse Lee and his posse. Holy shit, this movie looks dope. In Here, I'll do a synopsis real quick. In 1898, Cuba, five Buffalo soldiers find a gold cache. Uh, they desert and run to America where they help defend a black town from the KKK. <clears throat> All the while trying to avoid capture by lawmen and military authorities alike. Mario Van Peebles, you are correct. Yeah. Fucking well, sick. Oh, Stephen, was, Bal- Stephen Baldwin. Uh, was, yeah, I knew there was one of the Baldwins. Charles Lane. Yeah. Dude, this looks killer. It's pretty dope. Uh, it's it's one of those things where he eventually... Hey, Mario Van Peebles, I know it's for cinematic effect, but they're like in the hottest goddamn environment ever, ever and he just insists on wearing nothing but jet black, like, hundred and fuck clothing. Oh, yeah. And, they, and then he's got like the kind of the pimped out big old like s- saddle with like... Like the things where they even cover the tips of your boots, like leather and like all the conchos. It's, it's like he would be very uncomfortable, which is why, as you can see, he does, he did, does eventually rip off his sleeves to show his uh, his swole ass uh, arms eventually. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I remember it being a pretty good movie. Oh, yeah. And fucking Billy Zane. Oh, Nobody shit. Plays a, it looks like uh, Tiny Lister. What? Tiny uh, Lister? Know, yeah, like uh, fucking the president from uh, from uh, 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 Multipass uh, from Fifth oh. Element. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, or, yeah. Or like Debo. Oh, sure, know, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking gotcha. Yeah, he's in there. So there we go. I just remember the Baldwin guy having a gold tooth, and I think he gets like kicked to death by clan guys or or lynched or something, or uh. drugged behind a horse, and then they raise hell as as one does in a western, you know. Just kill everybody. Did uh, Dolomite make move uh, Western? I bet you he, he probably have. did. Rudy Ray Moore. Not Rudy Ray Moore. I have a. I've got a, a fucking black exploitation Western. Um, I can't say the name of it. Oh. It's called uh, Boss N Word. Oh yeah, that one. That yeah, no, yeah I'm sure that one. Uh... It's a uh, fuck. What's his Ugh. name? Uh, God damn it! That one's got um, shit. Fred Williamson. Yes, that's yeah. who it was. Yep. Wow, I just pulled that out of my ass. <laughs> yep, Fred Williamson. It's fucking. It's pretty fucking tight. That movie's like. Oh, you you actually watched excellent. it? Yeah, it's I've fucking ever, awesome. Well, you sent you sent the uh, cover art and stuff, and I was like, oh shit. Yeah, but okay. <laughs> but all right. He's black. He's Bluto. <laughs> He's boss. Well, you all been hunting black folks for so long, we just want to see what it felt like to hunt white folks. 
part legend, part devil, all man. But you, it's way we're not talking about that other than the fact that, like you said, uh, uh, you know, other than, of course, Blazing Saddles and, you know, they'll, they'll throw a random black person in a Western every once in a while, but uh, historically uh, very under underrepresented in, um, in cinema. Novel, novelizations and cinema. Uh, and like I said, even though they were about 25% of the uh, overall uh, working population, especially, of course, after the Civil War, um, you know, large amounts of newly freed people going west for opportunities and to get the fuck out of the South. Yeah. So, yeah. But uh, with that, uh, hit me with some comic sans there, Will. Uh, we could talk about Matthew Bones' hooks first. Okay, that one I'm not familiar with, so interesting. Uh, he was born in 1867 in the Panhandle of Texas in Amarillo. Uh, I hate uh, Amarillo, but... <laughs> <laughs> he was a Wrangler cook, Brock Buster, and horsey trainer. And he transferred to hotel and railroad porter at the end, which is kind of the dream job to have if you're black back in the day. Why um, is that? Because you would actually get tips. Oh, hey. Nice. Yeah. Uh, he was a historian, too. He helped found the Panhandle Plains Museum. Uh, his papers are still preserved there. Uh, he Black communities he founded at, at uh, Clarendon and North Heights, Amarillo, became ha- havens where black people could prosper in peace. Until Jim Crow All fucked right. everything up. Well, of course. <laughs> Uh, so his parents were given their freedom shortly before Bones was born. Uh, his father, Alex, was taught to read, which was against the law at the time, by the Old Man Hooks, which was the owner. Old Man Hooks just definitely sounds like, uh, <laughs> I don't know, kind of like, uh, was it like the, 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 what's the ones where the kids sing like contemporary music? Oh, it's yeah. Like k- k- kids Bop or whatever? Kids Bop, yeah. So old it's man like hooks. Old Man Hooks. It's like, <laughs> I, I went straight to, like, grand, Grandpa's Shed, where, it's like, they're just these giant hooks on fucking pegboard where you hang your oh. grandpas. Oh, God. Okay, well. You know, until you need them. Or, you know, Old Man Hooks definitely sounds like somebody they warn you about when you go by a certain lake. Oh, yeah. Or whatever, or, you know. He's, he's, oh. missing, he's missing both his hands and his feet, and they're all yeah. replaced by hooks. Yeah. But it's like a Home Alone situation <laughs> where he's actually just a kindly old fella that uses his hooks to, like, gaff fish out of the water for passersby. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah, like the, the <laughs> old guy that's that's uh, salt in the fucking road or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, like, I forgot about that. So they're trying to wave at you friendly, but it's just a hook, so everybody's terrified. That sounds like a movie we could make. Mm-hmm. Coming he, this he al- summer. He also lost his voice hooks. box from uh, from uh, throat cancer, so it's replaced by the, hello, my name is, hello, children, yeah, yeah. how are you? The first thing you want to do when you get your new speech aid is adjust the tone to a sound that you like. I adjust mine so it matches my voice approximately like this. Once you adjust the tone, you want to find your sweet spot. The easiest way to find your sweet spot is to place the artificial larynx device on your neck in different positions while you activate it with the power button until you hear the best projection through your mouth. I'll demonstrate that now. As you can hear, my sweet spot is right about here. Uh, hello, my name is Glyph. Well, it, it, it uh, inadvertently picks up, like, FM radio signals. 
So it just, it's like playing like the Cubs game or something while he's trying to talk to you. Perfect. Cut, print. Done. Yep. It's done. Anyway, but, wow, that was quick. Anyway, but old, old man Hooks is his dad. Uh, yep. Or, it, okay. Well, he uh, made Bones' his dad uh, bookkeeper of the plantation. So after the war, Alex, the dad, became a community leader, which kind of later inspired Bones. Bones never smoked or drank and avoided conflict whenever he could. Uh, he was the oldest of eight and was actually took care of the rest of the family. Uh, he was kind of thin and wiry. That's why he got the name Bones. He just didn't walk around with a boner all day. Well, um, one would hope. Yeah. Uh, by seven, he had a job driving the butcher's wagon around town. Yes. Ooh. So Bones went to work on the ranch, and the other cowboys would tease him by throwing him on a bronc that they thought would throw him off. They always so, gave him the worst ones. So kind of like half-ass tried to kill him? Like a, mm-hmm. like one one that pulled one of those funnies, like, uh, I'm going to strap you to a thousand-pound angry animal? Yeah. <laughs> yep. But uh, he got the last lap because he became very good at it. Um, Fuck yeah. Yeah. Uh, by the time he became a teenager, he was confident to ride any horsey alive or dead, I guess. Well, the dead ones are easier. Yeah. <laughs> they just don't go as fast. No. Mm-hmm. Smell worse, too. Yeah. He was getting between 3 and $5 to break a horse. That's about as good as uh, the Cowboys got back then. Uh, he went to work on a lot of ranches in the panhandle there. Bones hired out as a wrangler to a couple of ranchers who were illegally gathering cattle. Which they we would were call rustlers. Yep. They were caught and quickly hung. Oh, uh, shit. A rope was placed around Bone's neck. But a posse man, uh, Skillety Bill. What? what? Skillety Bill. Skillety? Skillety Bill? Yep. Uh, <laughs> I, that might be a typo. Who knows? I, I've got to Google I hope that not. one. Skil- Skillet, yeah, no shit. Skillety Bill. I don't know. I suppose I could go find the book and verify that. Anyway, this guy knew him, so he quickly intervened, and Bones was let go because he okay. didn't have any idea that he was handling stolen cattle. Oh, I see. He actually was handling stolen cattle. He just didn't. He didn't get it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Skillity Bill comes up with nothing uh, on Google, but it should someday. Well, you should put it up then. Yeah. Well, we just got a once get like Skillety Bill is like a side player in Old Man Hooks, the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, I think that was a typo, but that was an awesome typo. Anyway. <laughs> so Bones leaves for a little while. And of course, if you're going to flee, you're going to go to Oklahoma until the threat of hanging passed. Um, there was a terrible winter in 85 and a drought in 86. Combined with tick fever, crippled the cattle industry in the panhandle. Whoa. Um, so Bones actually got himself a, a little bit of stock, um, but he sold it all then and moved back to East Texas and invested in money in a grocery store in Texarkana. I think that's where uh, Burt Reynolds went to buy the Coors. Now, we have a big chance, a big chance to make a run for some big bucks. 80,000 of them. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. What are we going to do? Kidnap the Pope or something? How'd you guess? <laughs> no. We're just going to run over to Texarkana and pick up 400 cases of Coors. I, you oh, know, yeah. what, I, you yeah. know what I learned recently? 
is a Texarkana because I'd heard the name of it. I've, I'd yeah. heard the name many times. I didn't realize it was like the three states mushed together. It's like Texas, mm-hmm. Arkansas, and uh, what's the Louisiana. other one? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what it is. I didn't realize it was like the three states names smushed together to make a city. I guess I've never thought about Texas. Yeah, you're right. It, uh, Will's right also. It's where they go get the Coors from Smokey and the Bandit and have to take oh, it yeah. back to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. That's God, they make it seem like it took them many days to do that shit, and it's not that fucking far from Texarkana to Atlanta, dude. It is not <laughs> far. Let's see. Help especially, me out here, Google. Especially if you're the Bandit. Yeah, when you're mm-hmm. all eastbound. Well, you got to remember the snowman's still having to drive that fucking Peterbilt. He doesn't get the cool guy Trans Am. That's true. Yeah, and that's Coors is illegal west of or east of the Mississippi or something yeah. like that. All other beers are legal, but Coors is not. Well, it's saying, oh, that's on a bus. On a bus, it'd take you one day and three hours, it says. <laughs> yeah, it's only 668 fucking miles. Eat my shit. There's no way that would have taken them more than like a fucking day. Smoking should, the bandits full of shit, man. It's bullshit. <laughs> we we're gonna write a fucking letter to the to the writer of that piece God of shit movie. I used no. to like that movie, but not anymore. Jerry, I think yeah, Burt Reynolds no. passed away, but I think Jerry Reed's still alive to yell at. Yep, we'll scream at him. There you go. <laughs> fucking guitar uh. man. <laughs> All right. And they'd have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you. Actually, if it wasn't for Jerry. He was going to open the music hall a week before the Phantom expected him. Imagine, they spent almost a year digging that tunnel under the bank. Yeah, and unlucky for them, Shaggy. You happen to be a devotee of the xylophone. Uh, Would you like to hear me play something, Sergeant? (coughs) I would, Shaggy, but I've got to get the prisoners down to the jailhouse and return the money to the bank. All right, gang. I got my guitar back. So, lean back and listen to me rehearse. Uh, I think we'll have to beg off, Jer. Uh, if I don't get something to eat, I'll just pass out. Yeah, pass out? Okay, gang. Y'all go get something to eat. But don't forget, now, tomorrow at the show, you're going to be my guest. I'm going to have you the best seats in the house, right up front. That's the least I could do. So, he runs that uh, store there in Texarkana for about 18 months. Mm-hmm. But one day he gets a sign on the door saying uh, you have 36 hours to get out, and it's signed by the White Caps of San Gall Gizzard. What? Okay, so that's going to be like what a the clan of Walmart or what? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> White Gull Gizzard, San Gall Gizzard, San Gall Gizzard. Cool. I don't know what that is, but the White Caps uh, should tip it off. Yeah, well, yeah. the KKK named all their shit really dumb, fucking garbage. So yeah. Fucking mm-hmm. Sangol Gizzard, that falls right in line. So he closed up shop and gave him 33 hours of it back, he said, <laughs> <laughs> and went back to the panhandle. Holy shit. So he goes back back to the panhandle and works for Charles Goodnight. Yay! Uh, woo I know that On dude. his ranch, he was working with his friend Tommy Clayton, and one day Clayton's horse fell on him. Uh, the other cowboys took him to town for help. Uh, Bones stays behind to look after the herd. Uh, but later, Bones picked white flowers for Tommy and sent him with the cowboy into town. And the cowboy asked, well, what if he's dead? Then Bones said, we'll put the flowers on the grave then, stupid. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> and, of course, Tommy died. 
and the white flowers went onto his coffin. So from then on, Bones would make sure every pioneer that passed away got white flowers from Bones. So he kept the floral industry going. There. I was going to say, he's wow. like fucking FTD of the High Plains. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. Uh, 1894, the town of Clarendon let Bones have land for Black Church. And Bones got a preacher for it, too. Uh, kind of by that time, the demand for horse breakers kind of waned. Uh, 1900 Bones with his wife moved to Amarillo. Bones goes to work at the hotel as a porter and his wife as a laundress. Uh, they worked nine years there. Uh, Bones was the first black man to serve on jury duty in Potter County. Yes. Which you should be proud of. Yes. Oh, yeah. You should always be proud of jury duty. <laughs> uh, 1909 became porter for the railroad, which is kind of the elite black labor force there. Worked there for 20 years. And 1930, Bones and Black Leaders asked to purchase land in Amarillo to take it, make it a black community. Uh, they named a park after him. Uh, Bones started the Doggy Club, Doggy, Doggy, uh, a club for poor and fatherless boys, and founded historical groups too. Damn. So, so yeah, not as much murder and mayhem, but. No, this yeah. guy's like a straight up, like super smart, fucking fantastic dude. Well, that's kind of when we were doing the when we were doing the prep for uh, for this episode. Will's kind of like this one's not going to be super exciting because these guys are all like upstanding citizens. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, no, the West is only fucked when you're talking about all the white pieces of shit there. Yeah, <laughs> In a lot of cases. People. Oh, I at least got one guy we can talk about that. Sure. You know, there's there's outlaws too. Well, it's but actually it kind of, it's kind of nice because like I'm so used to the atrocities that like I forget that there were decent people. In the yeah, in fact, old west. To be fair, probably most people were sure. semi decent. You know, sure. you just no, nobody writes about the decent ones. Yeah, and, and that's part of the reason why uh, you know African American community is pretty underrepresented in you know largely in Western history and stuff. Is because if you were born a slave, nobody was keeping track of, you know, they weren't writing your autobiography, first of all. Uh, when you got freed, uh, you probably didn't know how, you know, in a lot of cases, you didn't know how to read or write because it had been illegal to teach you. Sure. And so you're not writing your own biography. And um, you're generally, like, trying to stay the hell away from anybody that you knew in your past, you know, so... Sure. Try, you know, and, and trying to avoid, like, you know... Avoid getting in trouble because yeah, even even gonna... after like even after slavery ended, quote unquote, like they still had the uh, they they would lock you up for any reason they fucking felt oh, yeah. like, and then just like use you as slave labor because you could do that if you're a prisoner. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah. that's yeah, that's I mean, the thing we still have today, like uh, you know, slavery was made illegal in the United States except for as punishment. Right. You know, so yeah. So all you got to do is it. all you got to do is trump up some bullshit charges, and then okay, now we got you know we can use you again. Right. Fucked up. Yeah. But I'm also noticing a, a common thread, and through a lot of my research, uh, it seems to be that a lot of the gentlemen we are going to be talking about, and it was probably pretty common for that time, ended up having to be Bronco Busters because it was kind of a shit job. You know, it, it's like they they put the black guys in charge of like breaking the 
most hardcore horses and shit like that because basically nobody else wanted to do it. And yeah, this is dangerous. They're like, yeah, so they're like, shit or get off the pot. You know, you want to work here, you'll break this horse kind of deal. But what I also noticed is in a lot of cases, cowhands, regardless of race, generally got paid about the same. It was more equitable than a lot of other jobs. But the difference happens when you come off the trail and you go into town and, you know, all the white cowboys can go to the bar and go to the prostitutes and do all that stuff. Yeah. And if you're black, you were still pretty much, uh, you know, you could go to a restaurant, but they're just going to hand you a plate out the back door and you're not allowed to drink in a lot of places. And you definitely were not allowed to fraternize with, uh, you know, European sex uh, workers, lady, ladies of the evening. Yeah, <laughs> sure. So, but uh, it's weird because, like I say, uh, on the actual job, it seems like there was a greater degree of equality. And you see that uh, with, like, they talk about that a lot on pirate ships was the same kind of thing. I think with mountain men a lot, similar kind of thing. It's basically when you get into a when city situation. No choice. Yeah. Yeah. Or also when all the pretext of bullshit is cut away and you're out there doing a hard job out in the woods or out in the plains and stuff, and you don't have time for your bullshit racism. Right. You know, it's when you get into town that it, you know, well, it's, like no, a, it's like a hobby. You normally, I'd be a total dickhead to you because uh, you're black, but we really don't have time for racism right now. We have a job to do. Right. But don't worry. There'll be plenty of that when we get back to civilized uh, fucking country or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck you're, me. You're my, you, I rely on you to keep me alive and help me out every day out here, but I don't want to drink from the same water fountain as you when we get back into town. <laughs> Woof. You know. So, yay. Anyway, uh, uh, who's got next? Uh, ready for a lady? Yes. Uh -huh. Always ready for a lady. Every day. Uh, so, Joanna July, or Joanne July, might have been a Gola name. Uh, do you remember what Gola was? Yeah, someone, isn't it? Um, no. It's a group of people and also a language group. That um, was it from somewhere on the East Coast where it's like, yeah, it's kind of like, slave, like language? Uh, slave and uh, well, in this case, uh, Seminole parents she was born to black Seminole parents. Uh, they escaped to Mexico after the Indian Removal Act. So, just like uh, the other Texians, they had to, uh, you know, kind of be a buffer for the Comanche and Apache there. But uh, they had to take up Spanish names and take up being Catholic in exchange. Shitty. Uh, they were called Miscagos. So they would kind of send the men away to fight the Indians. So the women took up most of the chores. And when the men married, they moved into the wife's home, which is kind of different. Yeah. Uh, the Muscago women did all the raising of the crops and raising of the cattle. And taking care of the irrigation ditches, which is pretty important, and the dry, dry stuff there. So uh, after they kind of get going there and uh, getting stuff together, the wealthy Mexicans decide to infringe on their land, and uh, the Miscagos were moved um, to Peras. They were attacked by natives there and asked to, you know, and then they asked to move back. Uh, the Mexican government said no. So they eventually returned to United States Indian Territory or Oklahoma. So they negotiate with the U.S. Army to become scouts for them in exchange to live near Fort Duncan along the Rio Grande. 
1869, Joanna's family returned when she was 10. Uh, she had more interest in the manly duties of the farm, livestock, hunting, etc. And her father actually allowed her to work with him. So oh. that's something different. But let me guess, her, they might have even let her wear pants when she rode a horse. Mm-hmm, or let it ride, not side saddle. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, her father dies early on, though. So she took over and mastered uh, breaking of the horses, uh, taking them into the Rio Grande River them itself to tire them out, and washing her clothes at the same time. <laughs> Multitask. Well, yep. if uh, if Little House on the Prairie is to be believed, that's also a trick that uh, the Lakota used to uh, do, because it's a lot easier to, I don't know, get a horse not to buck when it's having to kind of swim around. And, you know, when you get bucked off in the water, you know, you're not going to break anything, mm-hmm. and the horse can't do anything. So I had never thought of that after years and years of riding horses and trying to break horses. Like, yeah, just put them in the pool. With you, like, water aerobics, and then they can't actually buck you off. I mean, they can, but nothing will happen. Yeah, you get you get s- nice soft landing. Yeah. At 18, she marries an army scout, but shortly after, she returned home when he became violent. He tried to come back for her a few times, even taking a few uh, shots at her. What the one's trying to rope her. Ugh. What the fuck? Sounds like a real charmer. Mm-hmm. But she remarried to Ned Wilkes and had four children. Uh, Ned seemed like a good guy, but he dies, of course, in 1900. Uh, she marries again to Charles Lasley in 1910. Um, with the children grown, she and her husband worked with livestock and broke horses and hunted and sold hides. Uh, by 1940, she was widowed again. And you said by 1940? After, yep. Holy, Holy shit. shit. And sometimes uh, after World War II, she died in Brackettville, Texas. God damn. So she lives a nice long life and just a little picture of what was actually out there. Yeah. Right. Well, the other thing is, you know, it goes back to like the the ladies episode we did a while back. Yeah, the women just live longer, like a lot yeah. longer in a lot of these cases. That's crazy shit. Probably less drunk driving on a horse and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully slightly less VD and, <laughs> you know, TB and every other, all the Bs and Ds. <laughs> but Hepatitis B and D. Right. Just skipped Ooh. over C. Right. No, that's when you mix them all together, you get the D. Oh. Yeah. Tenacious D. Tenacious D. <laughs> you don't have to fuck her hard in fact sometimes that's not right to do man this this shit is just not going away right <laughs> uh do you have any of your own bow there or uh a little bit because i want to i well uh found uh john ware who was one of the uh first guys to set up a ranch in alberta but oh. you know like everybody that we are talking about today, um, as tended to be the case, he was born into slavery uh, in Georgetown, or near Georgetown, South Carolina. And then after the Civil War, he went to Texas and cowboyed the fuck up like so many dudes did. And uh, he was hired in 1882 to help bring 3,000 head of cattle from the U.S. 
to the Northwest Cattle Company in Alberta, run by a Sir Hugh Allen. Uh, so he delivered the cattle and then found a job at a couple ranches uh, up in that area. And then, uh, yeah, they uh, basically uh, got married in 1900, moved to Calgary, and then uh, his wife died in uh, 1905. The, the big thing that struck me about this guy is the claim to fame of uh, he never uh, got bucked off a bucking horse, but he kind of actually had a walking star happen to him that finally killed him where he was oh, riding Oh, walking along. star from the fucking horse porn? From the, from the horse porn uh, where, yeah, he's like the most badass rider on the planet, but of course he had a defective horse that stepped into a badger hole, and of course he was killed by this. Damn. Uh, we, don't we don't need, need no, no stinking, stinking badgers. badgers. Right. But he's also a guy that uh, he uh, did like some local like rodeo shit in the early days of Calgary. And if anybody knows anything about Calgary, you have... Stampede. The Stampede, correct. The what? The Calgary Stampede. It's like the Is that biggest... their hockey team? No, it's the biggest like fuck off rodeo in the world, more or less. Other than really? Maybe... Yeah. Yeah, people forget that Canada has cowboys too. We never talk about... Yeah, we we never talk about Canadian cowboys yet. I don't think. I think the only Canadian we really talked about was uh, that fucking trapper, mad, mad trapper. Yeah, right. Who was actually probably either Swedish. a Swede or from yeah. North, North Dakota. Dakota. <laughs> yep. But yeah, the Calgary Stampede's fucking uh, like big old rodeo, and they have like an expo and a bunch of other shit, and they uh, they have such fun events as uh, chuck wagon races. Which seems like a really easy way to get maimed horribly or killed. <laughs> and uh, I think they do the shit where like you sit and play cards and they let like a bull out in the arena and you gotta like stay at the table while there's a bull menacing you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. that kind of shit. <laughs> so all that fun shit. Um, you know kids can ride uh sheep and stuff like that. <laughs> right. Strap your kid to a sheep. I used to try to do that. They're fucking harder to ride than one would think. How the West Was Fucked will be right back. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Come one, come all to witness ringed old flying artilleries. Watch them go up. Watch them come down. Watch a man's body turn into a beast. Stick around after the show to play Dodge the Cannonball. Everybody's favorite event, the Mule Cannon Mud Bog. See these jackasses pull a cannon a quarter mile through the muck and the mire. Betting begins at 7 o'clock. Kids and elderly not allowed after 8 p.m. 10 cents for the whole seat, but you'll only need the edge. Uh, but then you were talking about, um, you are talking about Bones... Uh, working with uh, Charlie Goodnight too, and I wonder if he was there about the same. What years did you say he was with uh, with Charlie? Uh, let's see here. Got to backtrack. Still more of those kick-ass eighteen hundreds names. Charlie Goodnight, and uh-huh. he was he was the one from the trail, right? The Goodnight yeah. Loving Trail. Goodnight Loving Trail. Yeah. God damn. Because mm-hmm. well, that was better around now. eighteen late eighteen eighties, eighteen ninety or so. Okay. Well, the b- reason why I ask is uh, another kind of famous guy 
that um, he was uh, pretty much Charlie Goodnight's uh, kind of accountant and, you know, trail hand and like kind of like all around guy uh, actually worked as a tracker, too. And it's basically the character uh, Joshua Dietz from Lonesome Dove is basically loosely based on this guy. Um, his name is uh, Bose Ickerd. I think it's pronounced. It's either Ickerd or Ickerd. But, uh, yeah, he, uh, you know, worked with uh, Charlie Goodnight. And uh, basically, a lot of times, his main thing is if Charlie needed to transport, like, thousands of dollars from, like, his ranch to the bank or something, he'd let Bose carry it because motherfuckers back in those days would not expect a black man to have large amounts of money on him, thus making him safer from being robbed. Oh, shit. So... Uh, so basically, as it went, like, Bose kind of became the de facto banker for Charlie Goodnight. Oh, and the, also, the Wells Fargo truck? Right. Well, and also, he, you know, he kept ledgers and stuff like that. So he was, like, trusted to be, like, to the penny with with all this, you know, huge amounts of money because Goodnight had a pretty big operation and had a lot, had a lot of times have, had a lot of money and a lot of other times almost was broke as ranching goes, you know? Yeah. But, uh, but so, uh, yeah, he worked for him for years and years and years. And then, uh, when he passed away, uh, the gravestone on his grave, uh, was, well, basically here's what, uh, Charlie Goodnight had inscribed on it. Uh, Bose Icard, 1859 to 1928, served with me four years on the Goodnight Loving Trail. Never shirked duty or disobeyed an order. Rode with me many stampedes. Participated in three engagements with the Comanches. Splendid behavior. See good night. So that's the inscription on this guy's tombstone. Whoa. And so, you know, this is at a time when most tombstones are like, your name misspelled. Like sure, on, sure, a, yeah. on a stick. <laughs> so, I, I, again, this is just, to me, it's like a, I think a testament to what high regard Bose was held in. By uh, yeah. Charlie Goodnight, who we got to remember that Charlie Goodnight did fight for the fucking Confederacy. Oh, uh, really? Back in, back in the day, yeah. Did not know that. But, uh, yeah. A lot of Texans did. Yep. But it's good to see that, you know, some people can not be completely awful their entire existence. Sure, yeah. <laughs> you, I don't know. You got anybody else, Will? Oh, I got a few other ones. Uh, hey, go for it. Uh, how about Nat Love? You want Matt Love, yeah, or There's... Deadwood Dick, which we have mentioned him. <laughs> a, we mentioned him a little bit in the in the Deadwood episode, but he's one of these mm-hmm. cats where I remember the name, and he's he's going in the fucking pantheon of of kick ass eighteen hundreds names, right? And he's he is probably probably the besides Bass Reeves, probably one of the best known African American figures in Old West stuff. It's kind of in fact, Nat actually might be more like more known than Bass Reeves. I think Bass Reeves is finally getting some recognition, but yeah. But yeah, anyway, just only recently, though. Right. Uh, so he wrote his autobiography. This is the whole uh, title: "The Life and Adventures of Nat Love: A True History of Slavery Days, Life on the Great Cattle Ranches, and on the Plains in the Wild and Woolly West." Gotta love those eighteen hundred fucking book titles, man. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh it's god like damn it! Half half the book is just the fucking on the, on the cover. Oh, <laughs> right. I, I didn't finish it. It was oh, based on the facts and personal experiences of the author. Okay, oh, yeah. that was the whole title. <laughs> Couldn't just say by Nat Love. No. 
So in the book, he said he got the name Deadwood Dick from the citizens of Deadwood on July 4th, 1876, for all his cowboy skills, because they were having a rodeo and whooping it up then, um, which was right after the greasy grass there. Okay. Yep. Uh, but six other people claimed the name of Deadwood Dick, and in 1877, it was a dime novel used the name for a character in a series. So who knows is who's right? But Deadwood, Deadwood Dick has other implications. Yeah, maybe. Uh, like <laughs> some maybe some erectile dysfunction implications. Yeah. <laughs> um. I would, There's yeah, pills for that nowadays. Yeah, nowadays, but back then it was all the same bilious pill. It would just make you shit yourself, so <laughs> yeah. you didn't want that. Or they'd put oh, fucking le- leeches all over your tallywhacker or whatever. <laughs> or uh, what's what's the other, the uh, cr- crushed up scabs or something? Crushed up scabs? Yeah, that's what we were talking about before. Oh, that's how you... Get inoculized with smallpox or oh yeah. oh okay, but I it thought, also gets you hard as a rock. Okay, I, I thought you were talking about like a eighteen hundreds breakfast cereal before, <laughs> like before cornflakes. Scabs crunch, right? Just, just <laughs> fucking back to back to grape nuts. Yeah, God, pretty much oh, just like something from Ren and Stimpy. Mm, yeah, all the way. Yes. That's right. It's the happy, happy, joy, joy song. God, I can see the like overly detailed close-up right now in my head. With a hair around it. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. No, sir, I don't like it. Either way, so Nat Love, Deadwood uh, Dick. Yep, he was born on a plantation in Tennessee in June of 1854. Uh, Nat spoke of his masters kindly, which is nice, but he did condemn the meanest of the slave owners in the curious institution itself i always like it when they call it the curious institution. curious institution that's wow the curious institution yeah mm-hmm. back when i was an unpaid intern yeah 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 fuck uh tennessee was the last state to secede actually uh only 20 percent of the tennessee population actually owned slaves uh shortly after the war nat's father sister and her husband all die and then his former master moves north, so he has to take work breaking horses for ten cents a piece, not the three to five dollars the uh, bones was getting. Damn! Oh, man. So he goes to work for a Mister Williamson. Uh, his two sons want him to break a horse called Black Highwayman. What? Black Highwayman. The horse is named Black Highwayman. Okay. That's like the book titles. Well, I guess you don't really call a horse like you would a dog. Mm-hmm. You know, like, because you don't want to, you want to have brevity in a dog name. So when you're like, hey, Rover, hey, Spot, you know, you don't want to be like standing out on your porch, like yelling, hey, Black Highway Man, come here, <laughs> Black Highway Man. Yeah, right. Uh, so uh, instead of 10 cents, he wanted 25. And they actually took him up on it. Oh, drives shit. A, drives and a hard Black bargain. Highway Man gave him the ride of his life, but he Whoa. stayed on and broke him. Ha ha. Fucking whitey. This horse will likely kill you. Cool, I'm going to need 15 more cents then. What do you think? I'm some asshole? Straight off the street? I know what I'm worth. 25 cents? You think I'm made out of money? God damn it. Uh, this is a weird one. Uh, Nat won a raffle for a horse. He paid 50 cents for the ticket. And then he resells the horse for $50 back to the owner. Right. <laughs> the owner has another raffle and Nat wins again. <laughs> 
So he sold it back again. So this time he has a hundred dollars. I, I don't think a raffle is a good idea if you only have one person buying the ticket. <laughs> no I was shit. gonna say they should just nap, like handing the guy five bucks, him handing him the one ticket and just throw it in the box. You know, it's like like even if even if the owner of the horse wants to break even, you'd have you'd still have to get what like fucking a hundred people to buy raffle tickets, right? Mm-hmm. And then the asshole is gonna sell the horse back to you for how much you made on the raffle. Like that's <laughs> fucking stupid, right? One thing, didn't he? I, I remember reading that one, but didn't he? Like, one of the things he bought after selling the horses twice is, like, a horse? Just a <laughs> different, cheaper horse? <laughs> yep, because he, after that, he goes out of, out of town and goes to Kansas. So, yeah, he must have had a horse. Well, I know, I know part of the reason he sold the original horse is he needed tack. He didn't have a saddle and stuff. I think that was part of the impetus is to basically buy cowboy and gear. I don't know. It seems counterproductive, but I suppose like if it's like a souped up top of the line horse, hey, you can settle for an economy horse. Yeah. Good trading value. Right, yeah, Jarvis. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so he goes to Kansas and then he goes to Texas where he's known as Red River Dick. Why do they keep calling him Dick? I don't know. It's just, just a hey, Dick. nickname for everybody. Well, right. there, well, you know, there's a pretty famous picture of Nat standing there with his saddle and his Winchester, and with his know, dick out. Not with his dick out, but you know, <laughs> could assume that you know there's not an old potato shoved in them trousers. You know, he's got sure, some. sure. Shang <laughs> Wing Tentpole. So he arrives in Dodge City and joins the cattle drives. Uh, a year later, he helped drive 3,000 head of cattle, which is a lot of cattle, uh, to Deadwood on July 4th. Um, like I said, they were having a rodeo there. He also wins a sharpshooting contest. Uh, Nat meets and becomes friends with a certain amount of famous or infamous characters like Bat Masterson, Buffalo Bill, and yeah. Billy the Kid. Ooh, Billy uh, the Kid, even. Uh, oh, shit. Yeah, he was in Arizona briefly. Uh, in October 1877, Nat gets attacked and captured by Pima Indians. What that kind? Was in Arizona. Pima. Pima. That's what Pima. I haven't heard yet. It's the uh, same tribe that uh, Ira Hayes was from. Yep. If you remember the Johnny Cash song. Yeah. Or the picture of them raising the flag on Iwo Jima. Mm-hmm. I'm just pausing so we can play the whole song in full here. Okay. <laughs> Gather around me, people. There's a story I would tell About a brave young Indian You should remember well From the land of the Pima Indian A proud and noble band Who farmed the Phoenix Valley In Arizona land So he receives uh, 14 bullet wounds from this fight. Jesus. Whenever you say uh, receives bullet wounds, I feel like they're handing them to him in a in like a fancy box. <laughs> you are, sir. Your bullet wounds like, like, <laughs> at the side like court. A, like a chocolate chocolates, like Valentine's Day. <laughs> totally. Chocolates. Thank you. <laughs> uh, the Pima spare his life because of his heritage. He's like, hey, you're almost as we're almost as dark as you, or something like that, or as marginalized. Uh, but many of the Pima were actually a mixed race too. So he almost has to marry the chief's daughter while she was nursing him, but eventually he escapes back to Texas, lives to tell oh. the tale. You made uh, it sound like, like almost had to marry the chief's daughter. It just makes me think of like Monty Python, like, you know, 
I don't want to marry him. Like, well, what's wrong? She has huge tracts of land, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm picturing a scenario like that. Uh, Nat was married in 1888. That kind of ends the cowboy life for him. So he settles down with his wife, Alice in Denver, then taking a job as a Pullman porter. Which is a common thread through yeah. a lot of this. Mm-hmm. And 1907, he publishes his book, and he retires in 1910 and goes to Los Angeles and dies there. L.A. in 1910? Crazy. Was that pre or post uh, when they built the giant aqueduct and stole all the... That must be pre... Like pre, pre-Mulholland pre water thievery? Yeah. We should yeah. look that up. We should do one do on that, that one. too. Right. I, uh, yeah, we should. I have fucked. no idea what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Watch Chinatown. The movie? I don't. I don't think it's, I have. Actually, it's not quite. It's not quite Ninja Three: The Domination, though. Hell so. no. Uh, I mean, what is really? <laughs> right. Where Revenge of the Ninja left off, Ninja Three begins. An epic struggle of superhuman strength and supernatural forces. Ninja Three: The Domination. Speaking of movies, you want to talk about the Bronze Buckaroo? Uh, you go ahead. I, or do you have another one to go? Uh, I was just going to bring up a guy uh, tangentially. He's not as much of a cow- I mean, he was a cowboy, but he was kind of known for uh, some fuckery. Because as we were saying, most of the guys we were talking about today were kind of upstanding citizens and masters of their craft and whatnot. But uh, there's a cat named uh, Ned Huddleston. That uh, basically, um, he was born a slave. His owner was a Confederate soldier, and he had Ned come along with him and like, kind of like, help him out. Like uh, once again, kind of a walking star scenario, like loading rifles and oh sure, foraging food. And actually, he was you know helping. Uh, basically, had to help steal supplies for the Confederates with the Confederates from the Union guys. Shit. So it's kind of a world of shit there, but uh, then yeah, he he got you know freed at the end of the Civil War, like ostensibly everyone, which we all know that uh, some people in Texas didn't actually get it until what five years later, when they had to send the army out to enforce emancipation. <laughs> but um, either which way. Uh, so either which way, uh, he was working as a cook in Wyoming, uh, near Rock Springs. And it's like, you know, it, Wyoming's big into coal. This so is after, coal after he gets freed? Yes. Okay. And, uh, if you remember when I was talking about Rock Springs, I talked to, I briefly mentioned Rock Springs a little bit ago because we have to one day do the thing about the Rock Springs, uh, massacre where they killed and burned a lot of Chinese workers. But, uh, so that's the same town. Uh, let's see, uh, his nickname there, uh, became, uh, N-word Ned, which is not great. No. Uh, at the time, uh, but then, he was a badass fucking gunman, so then he became quick shot, because apparently, <laughs> unlike most people in the Old West, he could actually quick draw, which wasn't a common thing. Yeah. But, but apparently he, uh, was famous for just blowing the heads off prairie chickens. He'd, like, show off by, like, just... Sniping prairie chicken heads off with wow. a six shooter, so that's Fuck. pretty good. That's yeah, that's not easy, right? But then, uh, you know, he got kind of wanderlust and he went down to you know the Texas, like South, South Texas, Mexico kind of borderland area. 
and somehow became a rodeo clown, which I didn't know rodeos back then even had clowns. I thought rodeos were a little more of a severe affair back in the day, but yeah, well, apparently they still had rodeo clowns. Being a rodeo clown is pretty fucking severe. <laughs> yeah, I, but just picture an 1800s yeah, rodeo yeah. clown. Didn't expect there was much levity there. It was mostly yeah, just yeah. atrocity. Yeah, yeah, like it's just the same shit, shit as the cowboys. Only you maybe have to wear a red red nose and just get stomped on by a horse a lot to the amusement of the crowd. But uh, he also did some stunt riding in the rodeo and wasn't paying enough, so he became a horse thief and a cattle rustler. Yeah, which which tends to pay a little bit more, but you don't have as much uh, job security. <laughs> um, so uh, you know he was doing the old trick of you know you steal uh, horses in Mexico. And then sell them in Texas, and then you steal cattle in Texas and sell them in Mexico, so you can sell sure. things going both Co- ways, save yourself a couple trips. Right. But uh, then he basically got enough money together, and he just flat out like bought a ranch out in uh, Colorado, near Browns Hole. Um, and he changed his name to Isom Dart, which is a pretty cool name, too. Isom, I-S-O-M, Dart. Sick. And probably because Ned, you know, Ned Huddleston uh, is a wanted man, but Isom Dart is yeah, not. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> but it did end up uh, catching up with me. Kind of like, um, just kind of did the ranch life. Apparently, he had a, like a Shoshone girlfriend for a while. Uh, but then he joined another group of uh, cattle rustlers. So you know, breaking up was hard to do. Kind of. Uh, uh, with your old life of crime kind of shit. Sure. But that's about the time they had that big old uh, the Rage War that uh, we talked about during the Tom Horn episode where they the Cattle Barons pretty much hired Tom Horn to kill everyone. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that is how Isom uh, got his end. He was one of Tom Horn's victims. He's the guy no that he... Way. He's one of the guys that... Uh, he's the guy that walked out of the cabin and just got drilled from like... 300 yards yeah yeah so yeah uh but yeah so that's why i wanted to bring him up is a he's a tie-in to the terrifying tom horn and we had mentioned it before and of course a little bit of uh not quite as upstanding of a citizen but pretty exciting life until until tom horn gets shit even his death wait wait was that the one (laughs) I forget, did Tom Horn, like, light the fucking cabin on fire to get everybody out of it? No, I think that, that was, was a different that's, that's a Granville Stewart, Stewart Strangler saying, I don't think oh, Tom Horn yeah, did yeah. that. Okay, okay. But, um, no, if you remember, like, Tom Horn, first of all, had the good luck of uh, having a thirty thirty, so it was a little sure. more ju- juice than some of the previous guns. And he was, you know, he was just always, like, wait outside and snipe you. But didn't he also, like, hang, like, ears and shit on doors? Yes. And tell yeah. people to, like, leave the county and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. So there's that kind of f- fuckery going on. Fucking psycho. Mm. But, uh, yeah. Uh, well, the, and, yeah, also, Isom was one of the guys that got one of those notes on the door, like, get the fuck out. He's like, I ain't scared of you. And yeah, then, make you know, me. Th- then he get Tom Horned. But, so, yeah, I just wanted to bring him up, too. Cool. Uh, should we talk about Bill Quick, uh, Bill Pickett, real quick? Yep, Bill Pickett, aka the Dusky Dusky Demon. <laughs> dusky Demon, very nice. Uh, but he was born in uh, Texas in 1870, so a little bit later. Uh, he was part Cherokee, but he was one of the first great rodeo cowboys. Uh, he invented the sport of bulldogging. If you want to explain that one again, 
Well, yeah, we've we've talked about that one in the past, uh, where you know bulldogging is like what's nowadays called steer wrestling, generally, where you jump off your moving horse, grab it, the steer by the horns, and then twist his head and lay him over on his side. But I, yeah, I think it was Pickett developed it, and uh, he was still doing the one where you bite him in the face. I know I like to talk about that a lot. Oh, like, yeah, bite him in the lip, right? <laughs> yeah, you bite him on the lip, and he, well, he claimed he learned it from actually watching a bulldog do that. To Because, uh, I mean, bulldogs were originally ostensibly cattle dogs, and that's what they would do. It's back when bulldogs weren't the, uh, the weird inbred snuffling things we have today, because you couldn't get an English bulldog to jump high enough to Grab a cow face, I don't think. <laughs> but, you know, back in the day Just when they were still operating. Yeah. Yeah. 90 pound chunk of meat. God, those things are dense. Uh, but, uh, yeah, but, yeah, he, you know, claimed he learned it from a dog, so that's why he had to bite him on the mouth because the dog did it that way. So he's doing it appropriate. Maybe he, did, he was just trying to kiss the cow on the mouth. Right. Never or he did a bunch of peyote and his dog started talking to him. I think he was definitely doing the thing where, like, look how fucking crazy I am. You do not want to fuck with me. Yeah, I, that, but, that, but, you know that makes sense for sure. Yeah, but uh, yeah, he would demonstrate that technique at county fairs and get paid for it. So, <laughs> uh, 1905, he joins the 101 Ranch Wild West show and actually goes to work on the 101 Ranch there. Ooh. Goes along with Buffalo Bill Cody, Will Rogers, and Tom Mix. He also appears in early motion pictures. Uh, sometimes he was banned from performing because of his race. Sons of bitches. So then he claimed that he was full-blooded Indian or Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, the fuck? Oh. And then and but then they he, let him. Then they let him perform. Yeah, that's some mm-hmm. s- stupid and arbitrary. I mean, racism <sighs> is stupid and arbitrary by yeah. its uh, by its definition. But uh, holy fuck, you know, <laughs> Jesus, come on. <laughs> So uh, he's still working at the 101 Ranch when he's kicked in the head by a horse Uh-oh. and dies of his injuries on uh, 1932. God April damn 2nd. it. But uh, that's a fairly long life. What was it, 1870? Was- you said, you said right. he was in films? Yeah. Yep. Oh, shit. Never mind. I'm seeing, I, there's like a fucking photograph of him right here. Cool. Right. I didn't so, realize Buffalo Bill was still alive when fucking Will Rogers was. 1905, I guess. That's crazy. He must have been pretty Damn. old, though. Yeah. I'm saying, like, yeah, when you go into that 101 Wild West show, it's kind of like they wheel Buffalo Bill out like the grandpa from Texas Chainsaw Master. Oh, Jesus Christ. Put a, put a hammer in his put hand? A, well, just put a six-shooter <laughs> in his hand and tr- cock it for him and, you know. But, yeah, so, there's a... Oh, yeah, he nice, was in... What? He was in the Crimson Skull? And he was in Bulldogger, or The Bulldogger. Yeah, The Bulldogger, which, you know, is his... Crimson Skull's the fucking, that shit that the, uh... No, that's the Crimson Ghost. Oh, Crimson Ghost is what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Uh, you, yeah, you're talking about the Misfit Skull, but... Yeah. Close, but no cigar. Oh, yeah, okay, mm-hmm. different. Oh, so let's read... I got found the poster for uh, Bill Pickett's world-colored champion, The Bulldogger, featuring the colored hero of the Mexican Bullring... In death-defying feats of courage and skill, thrills, laughs too. Uh, I don't know why. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, dude, the Crimson Skull fucking poster is sick. It's like Bill Pickett standing next to a horse talking to a skeleton. What? Yes. <laughs> That's fucking tight. Holy fuck. Oh, yeah. 
There's a lot to unpack. With that. <laughs> awesome. Ooh, found it. Found another poster for it. That's far weirder. Uh, there's some pretty clan-looking shit happening. Oh shit! As you can see, that one's a little less whimsical. Yeah, uh, what the it, fuck? To me, I can describe it as kind of. It looks like three guys in what looks like coveralls, but they're wearing like hoods over their heads. So it's like all white coveralls with red hoods on. With red hoods, and then uh, yet, and the one guy is holding a six shooter, and the lady that's tied to the post looking all offended that he's pointing a gun at her. But there is also a, like a living, walking skeleton, like just hanging out with these guys. Like reaching his hand up menacingly, and then who I'm assuming is Bill uh, is is tied to like some kind Lattice. of woodwork yeah. woodworky thing. Is he missing a fucking leg? It seems. It almost looks like it. Well, let's let's read the description. Yeah, all colored cast. There you go. Okay, are you reading uh, Anita? I got to look up Anita Bush. Anita Bush, yeah. Because <laughs> well, first of all. She is billed as Little Mother of Colored Drama. What the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck kind of nickname is that? <laughs> and then Lawrence Chenault playing a triple role. So, mm. oh, supported by Bill Pickett, world champion Wild West performer, the one-legged Marvel. So apparently the one-legged guy is not Bill. There's oh, just okay. a one-legged guy. Uh, Steve Reynolds is the one-legged guy. Okay. And then 30 colored cowboys. Just a uh, like thirty black cowboys. So I'm assuming there's some kind of like posse scene. Must be like just a or a cavalry charge or something. <laughs> what a strange six smashing reels. We should try to watch this. Yeah, it kind of looks fucking pretty tight. It's gonna be one of two things. It's gonna be awesome or it's gonna be the cringiest cringe shit you've ever seen in your life, probably. Yeah. So I wonder if this movie predates the ones we're going to be talking about. The Bronze Buckaroo. So the 30s were kind of the heyday of singing cowboys like Gene Autry and Roy Rogers. Yeah, I love that shit. I grew up on that shit. Yeah. Uh, it'd be better if they did some rapping, too. <laughs> like Limp Biscuit. Shag my friends tonight! But uh, jazz singer Herbert Jeffries did the unthinkable. He convinced Hollywood to make an all-black cowboy movie starring himself and oh, singing shit. his own cowboy songs. Nice. So, uh, well. so Herbert starts touring as a singer in the 20s. So he goes down south because he grew up in Detroit and saw all the segregation there. And he saw all the black people stuck up in the balconies of the horse operas. I don't know exactly what a horse opera is, but... <laughs> Well, you Which got a whole conjecture. What? A chorus of hor <laughs> a chorus of horses singing. A yep. horse. So he Can't says to himself, "Wait a minute, you know, black people help civilize the West too." Yes. So in 1936, he took uh, takes off for California. Uh, take a took him a year to convince backers to make a movie, though. Uh, he found producer Jed Buell, who also released Terror in Tiny Town. If you ever seen that. Terror in Tiny Town? That sounds familiar. Is that the one where they're all mobsters, but they're all little people? 
Yep. It's like a gangster movie with like just all, an all little person cast. <laughs> that, I remember seeing, they used to put that on like PBS or something when I was a kid. Ladies and gentlemen and children of all ages, we're going to present for your approval a novelty picture with an all midget cast, the first of its kind ever to be produced. I'm told that it has everything. That is everything that a Western should have. It's a soul stirring drama, a searing saga of the sagebrush, and it's called The Terror of Tiny Town. But I must caution you not to take it too seriously. Uh, this picture begin. Hey, mister, come down here. I want to talk to you. Uh, pardon me. Excuse me, there's a slight correction. You mean it is serious? Sure it's serious. I'm the hero. After this picture's out, I'll be the biggest cowboy star in Hollywood. Wait a minute. Who are you? Well, who are you? I'm the villain. Who did that? Oh, oh, oh. The applause is okay. But who laughed? I'm the toughest hombre that ever threw lead. And I ain't afraid of the biggest one of you. I'm the terror of Tiny Town. And that's the star part. That's what you think. Yeah, that's just what I think. Wait a minute, man, man, wait a minute. We'll see. Let's go through the picture. <laughs> that's a swell idea. Let's go through with the picture. I remember that shit. When There's did that also, come out? Like the 30s, 40s, somewhere. It's old. Holy shit. Yeah. So they tried to find people who could act, sing, and ride, but no dice. So Herbert was the only one who could do all that, so he became the star. Yeah. Uh, Spence Williams wrote and co-starred and went on to star as Andy in Amos and Andy TV series. Oh, shit. Uh, Jeffries did his own stunts, too, obviously, because they can't find anybody else to ride. Uh, so it was Harlem on the Prairie, debuted at the end of 1936. Two more sequels followed. Uh, two, a Gunmen from Harlem, and Harlem Rides the Range. Uh, then the bronze buckaroo in 1939. So after that, 39, Jeffries returns to music, not making much from the motion pictures. He recorded Flamingo with Duke Ellington's orchestra, which sold a million copies. Oh, sick. Flamingo, like a flame in the sky, flying over the island to my lover nearby. Flamingo, with your tropical hue, for it's you I rely on, and the love that is true. So that kind of made him into a solo artist, but that never really took off. Uh, WW2 came and he enlisted, and then after that he moves to France and ran a club on the Côte d'Azur, or the French Riviera, and he died in 2014. What the Holy fuck? Shit. Wait, when when was he fucking born? Uh, well, he was doing this in the 20s, so he must have been born around the turn Holy of the century. Jesus yes. Christ. 1910s or so. Whoa. Well, I guess, to be fair, this guy was an actor portraying Cowboy, so you're going to hopefully live longer than... 
somebody that has malaria all the time and sure yeah i mean eat. still man i got i have fucking oh, yeah, like that's still I, I have like uh family members that were born in like the 40s that fucking you know died in the last couple of years yeah it's, so it's still like, a good long life for sure yeah, that's that's crazy yeah, he must man. have been in his 90s at least yeah holy shit that's awesome not more i just i i did find uh while we were dealing with that uh, a little more about uh steve peg reynolds so yeah he was also uh 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 that Richard Norman guy that did all the stuff with Bill Pickett, he's like a friend of that guy. And uh, basically, he was a stuntman with one leg. Uh, he would jump off of moving trains, climbing on rooftops, and chasing villains in a speeding car. And he had, uh, his crutch had a hidden rifle in it. So that was a lot, a lot of time his, uh, his calling card is like pull off his crutch and start blazing away. That's fucking rad. Yeah. Hell yeah, dude. Oh, I got I got to find the the fucking crimson skull and that cuz that shit is it looks just from the two posters I saw, it looks fucking tight. Right. We're going to have to watch that. Well, the uh uh the guy uh uh Richard Norman, the guy that, you know, the producer, director, or whatever the fuck you want to call him of the all these shows. Let's see. He's talking about this guy, the hero doesn't do all the fighting. He just pulls off three different ones. Which I don't get what that what? means. But did you ever see a one-legged man fight? <laughs> Reynolds. Let <laughs> me try workshop that a little more before you put it out there, bud. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like he does a marvelous feat of skill on the precipitous hundred-foot-long roof of the Derrick House on one leg that I can confidently say has never been done by a one-legged man before. I'm I'm surprised he didn't say a marvelous foot of skill. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we need to find this movie because now I really wanted that, and you need to watch uh, uh, Posse, Terror of Tiny, Terror oh, Terror of Tiny, Tiny Town, Town. And, and Posse. I got a fucking, I got a watch list to sit down with. Lots of stuff to go on there. Yeah. So yeah, just a, I don't know, a little shout out to uh, some of the uh, African American folks that uh, some of the, you know, very few of them, of the many that contributed to. Yeah, the, the few, uh, few that were written about. The, the few fucking... that were written about. The, the few that have gotten, to some degree, or like I said, Nat Love and Bill Pickett were pretty famous in their time, for sure. Uh, but, you know, it's one of those things. Um, I don't know. Rep- representation. Uh, uh, you know, Hollywood is kind of, for a long time, and still continues to whitewash a lot of... Uh, Who's who's appearing in these shows and who's appearing in this in, in these productions, and uh, I don't know. Hopefully, it gets a little more uh, let's call it uh, closer to the actual demographics of the time frame rather yeah. than just mm-hmm. uh, like I said. Uh, so I don't. I, I'm stumbling over my own words here, but like, uh, yeah, basically, it's just representation. Is I keep on wanting to say like nine tenths of the law because that's not what I'm you know, <laughs> like ownership is yeah you know, uh no fucking uh it, again it's it's like uh this episode was I don't know it almost a feel good story I mean shit was fucked up back then for, for right. these folks but like I mean it's it's cool to hear some like actually like decent fucking decent people doing you know cool things doing cool shit yeah yeah. Fucking A, man. And, and most of them, like I said, it was a common thread start, you know, 
uh, either start out as a slave yourself or as the child of a slave generally. And it's, you know, there wasn't always the greatest uh, trajectory for people in that position. Like, say, if you're on the East Coast and stuff like that, you might have a harder time finding a job that wasn't, like, horrific and in, like, some fucking factory where... Yeah, I was going to say, you, mostly, you know, like, like, shitty factory work. Right. So uh, getting that opportunity to get out in the wide open spaces and, you know, just kick ass for... Kick ass and take names for a living, basically. Like, like I said, a lot of these guys were... The ones uh, tasked with, like, fucking with the most untrainable horses and stuff like that. And, you know, gives you an opportunity to kind of, like... You be your own boss. Them, you know? Yeah, yeah be, fucking... your, be your own boss and be, like... get Basically get judged on the merits of yourself as, as a person. Which, in a lot of cases, was not afforded to... And still isn't uh, to people of color. You yeah. know, uh, is basically get, getting Whitey to uh, recognize that... You know, you're a fucking person with skills. You're a person with skills. Yep. Yeah. Anybody got anything else? Nope. I'm yeah. uh, no glad to be a part of it today. Well, one of these times, like I said, I wish we could get you know some of our other friends to participate in these, so yeah. we're not like the three whitest turds on the planet giving mm -hmm. our opinions about you know people of color's <laughs> history. But yeah, we try to do our part. I guess. No one's uh, half the battle. Speaking of demographics, we have like 85% male listeners. Which Shocking. Is, yeah. And uh, nobody under the age of 14. Oh, shit. So, that's, so we need uh, need uh, like little children, especially little girls, to listen oh, to this podcast. Okay, we're done here. <laughs> uh, I don't see this. Well, we got to start talking about Fortnite then. So Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess, wouldn't it be likely if um, if you have a 14-year-old, wouldn't parents generally have some kind of filter set up where the name of the show alone <laughs> would make it so you're not even going to know that it exists? No, no. I bet there are kids under 14 listening to the show and totally love it because their parents are listening to it in the car with the kid, right? So the kid mm -hmm. doesn't show up in the demographics, just the parent because it's on the parent's Oh, yeah, phone. yeah. Cause, oh, you know, okay. Thank you yeah, guys for, for uh, uh, teaching your kids. History. Right. <laughs> History is important. Fucking Suckers. A right. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, uh, <sighs> I feel like we should probably go in a hail of gunfire. Yes. Uh, of oh. Gunfire. gunfire. We do that one every time pretty good. <laughs>